book of Job, chapter 7, and it starts with the first verse. And this is how it goes. Isn't slavery everyone's condition on earth? Are days like those of a hired worker? Like a slave, we pant for a shadow, await our task like a hired worker. So I have inherited months of emptiness. Nights of toil have been measured out for me. If I lie down and think, when will I get up? Night drags on, and restless thoughts fill me until dawn. My flesh is covered with worms and crusted earth. My skin hardens and oozes. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. They reach their end without hope. Remember that my life is wind. My eyes won't see pleasure. The eye that sees me now will no longer look on me. Your eyes will be on me, and I won't exist. A cloud breaks apart and moves on. Like the one who descends to the dead, I won't rise. I won't return again, and I won't be recognized anymore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Job, our friend Job. I said last week at Sunday school that we're going to talk about Job this Sunday, and everybody groaned. Right? <laughs> right. Because Job, we associate Job with the idea of suffering. Job is a story about suffering, about being just downtrodden and sad. And it's true, the scripture this morning we read is not the most uplifting section of the Bible. We don't knit it onto pillows. It's not something we cross-stitch and put in our kitchens. It's not the best story, the most fun story in the Bible, but I would tell you, I would say, that Job is not a story about suffering at all. Job is a story about hope. Job is a story about a man who finds hope, even when all the things have gone wrong. Now, a few things about Job. Job is a parable. And like all the parables in the Bible, is an exaggerated story. This is not real life. The chances are there's probably not a guy whose name was Job who got covered with boils and house fell down and all of his children died. That's probably not really what happened. It's probably a story, a myth, if you will, about what it's like to be a human experiencing suffering. It's the oldest story in our Bible. It's been told since the 18th century before Christ. It's almost 20,000 years old. The first two story, chapters of the story set up the why. What is happening? What is going on with Job? And we hear a story about God and an angel. And this God, God and this angel, does, they argue with each other. That's what they do. And uh, the angel says to God, I bet that you can't find one righteous person in the, in the world. Sound familiar? This is a bet that God takes over and over and over again. It's like the one way to get God riled up. The one way to get God really mad is to say, you know, God, I don't, I don't think you can find one righteous person in the world. And God takes the bait every single time. God takes the bait with Job. God takes the bait with Noah. God takes the bait with Abraham. God takes the bait. God trusts in people. He believes people can be righteous. And so God risks everything on Job. God risks everything on Job and says that Job will be my champion. Job is righteous. 
And then the Bible, the story goes on. It's 40 more chapters of Job talking to various people. Job talking to his friends, Job talking to his wife, Job talking to uh, people, random people on the street. And finally, finally, Job talks to God. It's Job working out, where am I? Who am I in the midst of all of this? When I feel lost, when I feel pain, when I feel suffering, when I feel grief, who am I? And whose am I? Job never asked why. Not one time in the Bible does Job say why. He doesn't ask why. He doesn't say, poor me, why do I deserve this? I didn't do anything to deserve this. Job simply asks, who? Who am I? Who am I and whose am I? It takes a while, but finally Job turns to God and says, God, who am I? What we learn from Job is that hope isn't a feeling. It's not something we feel. Hope, like love, is not a feeling. It's an act of vulnerability. Hope requires us to be vulnerable, to be open, to hear the story that is different than the story that we might tell. Hope requires us to seek a truth that is different than the truth that we perceive at the time. Hope requires us to be vulnerable. As I was reading Job this week, I was reminded of a song from the musical Hamilton. Now, if you're a musical buff like me, you've spent a lot of time watching Hamilton, but this, yeah. <laughs> but this may be new to you, and that's okay too. But it reminds me of this scene from Hamilton. We're gonna watch it in just a second. You see, Job, like Alex, Job, didn't cause any of his suffering. Alexander, on the other hand, has caused all of his own suffering. You see, he lived a life where he depended only on himself. He only trusted himself, and he only acted in his own self-interest. He had a life which had taught him that instead of reaching out for others in the midst of suffering, he could only depend upon what he could do, his own wit, his own mind. And he wasn't able to see the gifts of family, the gifts of friends. As we watch this song towards the end of the musical, I want you to be looking for when hope enters the picture. moments that the words don't reach there is suffering too terrible to name you hold your child as tight as you can and push away the unimaginable the moments when you're in so deep it feels easier to just swim I never liked the quiet before. I take the children to church on Sunday. The sign of the cross at the door. And I pray that never used to happen Quiet up the town. He is working for the unimaginable. The stairs gone gray. He passes every day. 
Where did we see hope? Um, when she reached out, right? That's how the musical presents it, that when Eliza forgives it, uh, I should have, going back, John, his son, Alexander's son, went to a duel on Alexander's behalf and got shot and killed. So Eliza blames Alexander. That's why she had to forgive him. That's what the musical presents, right? Is when she reaches out and says, we're together. I'm going to submit to you that that's not where hope happens. Hope happens at the beginning. Do you notice how he's standing by himself in the middle of the picture? And he's singing about how he's alone. And he finally has been driven. And where does he go? Church. The first time in his life where he's prayed to God. And that prayer... That moment with God, that discussion with God, is what gives him the ability to be open and honest with his wife. 
It's what gives him the ability to look and to see that he's not alone in his suffering. That he never was alone in his suffering, not ever, not once. The whole musical is about how he is surrounded by friends and family who want to help him, who want to support him, who want to be present in his life, and he turns them away over and over and over again. It's not until he humbles himself enough to open his eyes and to see. It's not until he opens himself up to God and God's presence and God's ability to plant hope in his heart, hope that he can be redeemed, hope that he can be forgiven, that he sees he was never alone, not once. He was never alone on that stage, not once. And the whole musical is Alexander by himself. That's what hope looks like. And Job realizes the same thing. Hope comes not when he goes to God and cries and complains and tells God honestly about what he's feeling and experiencing. Hope comes when he realizes that his friends never abandoned him. His friends aren't that helpful. They give him bad advice. They tell him the wrong thing about God. They tell him the wrong thing to do, but they show up. They're present. And when Job can see that Job is not alone in that darkness, in that grief, in that loss, that Job is not alone in his suffering, he turns to God and realizes that God never abandoned him in the first place. God said, yes, you can let this suffering happen, but I'm going to be there with you in the midst of it. I'm not going to abandon you. And so we find hope when we turn towards others. When we can get past our darkness, our loneliness, our grief, our pain long enough to see that we are not ever, ever alone. Not ever. We have a community of faith right here with us who will walk with us, who will extend their hands to us, sometimes more than we want, but never, ever, not enough. And we have a God who claimed us, who calls us by name, who may sometimes let suffering happen, but who also walks with us through the darkness. There isn't always an answer. In fact, almost never is there an answer to why. We never know why suffering happens, but we do know who we are and whose we are. We know who we are. We are a child of God who was loved, claimed, and known, and we are never alone. And so even in the midst of darkness, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, when it feels like we will never ever get out, when it feels like it's easier to swim down into the darkness than to turn towards the light, we know that God has extended a hand to us, and we have hope, always. Even if we don't see it, and even if we don't understand it. And so you may not feel hope, but you can take an act of vulnerability. You can see God and you can know hope is never gone. You are never alone. Amen.